wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. And on this episode, I have Robert Heed. He goes by Rue, the owner of Outdoor Insiders. My first trip to Africa, didn't know what to expect, took my bow, and I took a dozen arrows. Yeah, I didn't realize how target-rich environment that is. <laughs> I, I'm taking arrows, taking broadheads. I got rages. I'm like, oh, I bent this blade. I'm unscrewing it putting them back together. I had uh, <laughs> the one day I sat in a blind and there was baboons came in. I shot one baboon out one window, shot one out another window, shot another one. I was down to like two arrows. We went up, collected the arrows back up, got back in the blind, <laughs> ended up shooting an Impala after that. It was like we recycled them throughout the whole week I was there. And I always make whoever does my arrows, I make them sign them. I'm not letting Ethan build any more arrows because the last couple hunts I went on, it's been a little rough. He signed the arrows, so I think it's there's bad karma there or something, <laughs> I'm not sure. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this episode, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Robert Heed. He goes by Rue and... Uh, me and Robert are sitting in his podcast media room slash conference room here at Outdoor Insiders. And Robert is the owner of Outdoor Insiders. You've probably seen them on my Instagram or Facebook. Uh, they go by OI, but uh, they have a amazing facility here. It, it is the Outdoorsman's Paradise. And uh, again, you may have seen some videos of me shooting on the 3D course inside. They have an amazing 40-yard indoor range. I've been shooting 100 yards on their outdoor range, and uh, you probably saw us here at the Archery Eve event as well, but without further ado, Robert, Rue, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, so I wanted to get Rue on here and uh, talk about hunting, obviously, but he has a very unique background. And I'll let him go over that as far as how how he has come to OI, right, and how he started it. I remember the facility over in Montrose, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And, well, obviously Pennsylvania, that's where we're at. But um, over in Montrose, and uh, yeah, I remember the first time I seen it, I was driving down the road, and I look over to the left, and I'm like, is that an elk? And you had the, I think it was an elk target yeah. or, or statue or something out front, and I'm like, what the heck is that doing? And I pulled a U-turn and pulled right in the parking lot. And we put the Reinhardt uh, Elk 3D target in the front lawn just to draw some attention. We had that out there for a while. Had the lion out there for a while. Yep. I think yeah. we sold the lion. We sold the elk out of there. Somebody stopped and wanted to buy it. We're like, yeah, we'll sell that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, it worked because you got my attention. Yeah. And uh, so I pulled in there and I was like, man, you know, I'd always heard about sick of gear, but I'd never seen any, right? And so you guys were the first ones that were like loaded with sick of gear. And I ended up buying a pair of pants and a vest that day and uh it's been well this is my first podcast in camo and no one can see me but i'm head to toe in sick of gear and uh it's uh it's kind of an addiction it's it's our big thing was trying to have some premium product you know i mean you can go to these other box stores but they they have their brands they have their own you know so trying to come up with a place where a serious outdoorsman can go and buy good product with good you know not walk into a store and you know, ask somebody something they have no idea. Our big goal was trying to have people that were, were knowledgeable and have the product that's 
for the serious outdoorsman. Yeah. You know, realizing it's more of an expense, but more of a premium product at the same time. One thing that I've learned in my adult years is buy once, cry once is a, is a real thing, honestly. And, you know, it's something that like the sick of gear, you know, it was 40 degrees this evening and then dropping, right? And the rain came in there the last 15, 20 minutes of daylight. And I was sitting there and I was fine. And they're not saying that any other camo product wouldn't do that, but I've been in other camo products before and it's done that to me and I've been cold. And so I think it's a testament to not necessarily about Sika, but again, the premium products that you're carrying. And something else I'll add is your personnel, your staff, like your Botex down there between Steve and Ethan, like phenomenal. And then all the other people you got, you got Tristan down you, um, in the gun room, I call it. And, yep. uh, you know, you got uh, Chris, like there's so many good people here. You got Alicia, you got a Teresa, you got Savannah, uh, Amy. There's so many, like your staff. If some, if you can, if anyone came in and said, Hey, I'm looking for this. I feel like they'd be able to point them in the right direction really easy and not because they were taught to do it because like this is a lifestyle that they also they've bought into as well. And I think it's amazing having them invested into the into the industry. Yeah, that was from from the start. It was they may not be retail background salespeople, but having people that have the want and have the drive and have the interest into it because it's it's definitely a lot easier to you know whether you're selling something or whether you're you know mounting a scope on a gun any of that when you're passionate about it it makes a lot more to be involved with it and you're it's building a culture it's building a it's building a brand or building a family you know what yeah. i mean people come because they want to tell their stories they want to show their trail camera picture you know what i mean yeah and we'll bust on chris about trail camera chris but you know <laughs> he it's you know, everybody comes in and they'll have different pictures of this buck or that buck that they're showing him and he's showing them different, you know, it's, it's the key, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's what it's, everybody's got, you always say everybody's got a cog in the wheel and it takes the whole wheel to make it turn. You know, everybody's got their little niche, but they fill in and all work together. And it's, it's, yeah, it's been very, it's taken us a little bit to keep building the team, but it's doing well. Yeah, no, that's cool. awesome. So actually, so Chris was the first employee of y'all's that I had met over at the Montrose store. And uh, so I came in that first night, I bought the sick of gear. And then I went back with a buddy of mine, Cullen. And I was like, I was like, dude, look at this store, right? You got to check this out. Cause he was working on a pad not far from me. And uh, so he came in, we were in there, and then Chris and Steve were in there and uh, sold me a Tacticam, right? <laughs> the first Tacticam I'd bought, and it was the solar power one and uh, solar charging one. And uh, I think it was like the SK or something like yeah. that. And uh, But Chris was all about it, right? And he's like, but he believed in it. And I could see his belief because, you know, I've, I've probably bought every trail camera that's out there at some point, right? And... You have some of the better ones, some of the less lesser ones, right? And so the way that Chris was just like, dude, look at these cameras. And he's like flipping through his and showing me. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, you know. And so I bought one, put it up. And next thing you know, I'm like, 
you know what? This is a really nice camera. Fast forward, I, last season, I end up coming in buying more. And, uh, you know, it's just, again, you, you know, trail camera Chris, that's awesome that's, because he sold me on just some trail cameras. That's, it, it makes a it makes a difference, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's the the background into it, the experience with it. You know, it's we try to push that with them, you know, making yeah. sure they understand the experience and the product and stuff. Yep. And uh, like I said, you know, your staff is like they're they're knowledgeable of what they're doing, not because they were taught, but because they believe in it. And, you know, I came in and um, Teresa helped me get my uh, my site set up. And then, you know, I, I, I bought the HHA Tetra. Yeah, the Tetra. And uh, she helped me get it set up. And then we were 20 to 60 outside getting it dialed in. And then once it was dialed in, I was out at 100 yards shooting. And then I had some arrows that I was headed out to Nebraska and I stopped in and Ethan and Steve took care of them. And it was one of those things where people might laugh at me when I say this, but I was going to Nebraska and I took three dozen arrows with me. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so me and Chance, uh, Chance Brown went with me and uh, we, we kind of, Every October, we said we're going to go on a guy's trip. And last year was West Texas, uh, all dad hunting out in the literally like right on the Mexican border. And uh, this year was Nebraska mule deer. And uh, I told him, I said, we're going to be there for seven days. And if I shot four arrows a day, that's 28 arrows. I definitely need to take three dozen. <laughs> and uh, so he, he laughed at first and then he, he started doing the math and he showed up with three dozen arrows too. <laughs> I only shot one though, but uh, it was uh, it was definitely something well, because we didn't know about prairie dogs and coyotes and everything. So it was a target rich environment out there. I, I feel you. My, my first trip to Africa, I didn't, didn't know what to expect. We I had won it at a mule deer banquet. Okay. Uh, the trip, I had a couple of buddies went, and they took guns. I took my bow, and I took a dozen arrows. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize how target-rich environment that is. <laughs> I, I'm i taking arrows, taking broadheads. I got rages. I'm like, oh, I bent this blade. I'm unscrewing it, putting them back together, yeah. using them again. It's I had a, <laughs> the one day I sat in a blind, and there was baboons came in. I shot one baboon out one window, kind of roamed around, shot one out another window, shot another one, and then I was down to like two arrows, and I said, he's like, shoot that one. I said, I've only got two arrows, and I was going to shoot a Cape Buffalo later on. I said, I don't think I should. We went out, collected the arrows back up, got back in the blind, <laughs> and I'm shooting an Impala after that. It was like we recycled them throughout the whole week I was there, but I never so. I know what you're saying. Next time I go there, I definitely wouldn't go with less than a few dozen. <laughs> right. And uh, no, that is so awesome. Now, speaking of Africa, as I look over your shoulder there, I am looking at some phenomenal animals that you and your family have killed. And, you know, for anyone that has an opportunity to come to Outdoor Insiders, you got to do it just because of the the beauty of all the animals and how Rue has you know, portrayed them. Right. And, uh, it's like, he's got a full size giraffe, a full size kudu, uh, is it kudu down there or Nyala or what is that? Sable. Sable. Sable on the far side. Yeah. There's a sable. There's two oryx. Yep. And, uh, just beautiful, right? There's so many animals down there. And, uh, it's one of those things where, and then as I look to the other side, I'm looking at a mountain lion, a moose, some grizzlies, like yep. it's, it's literally like a museum of uh, of the world in here, and it's awesome. My the 
when we start, like I, I like to travel a lot and hunt a lot. And when I started, it was kind of my part of the big reason having the store was wanting to have, I'm not, I'm not a big entertainer at the house. So like, I don't, I don't have like parties and stuff often. Like, do I build a trophy room at the house to have all the animals in? If I build a store, I could put all the animals in the store where people could see them. And that was kind of one of my thoughts, like having them where other people can see them and, yeah. you know, enjoy them and stuff too. But, uh, you can see like a lot of them. I, I like, I don't like a normal mount, which dries my tack. I use Dave Sober to all my taxidermy work and it, it, it drives him nuts. Cause I'm like, all right, this is how I want it. I want it like, <laughs> like the, like the moose. I said, he was like, he was coming down. I want him to look like he's like, he's just in rut, just, he's just like losing his mind coming down the hill okay yeah i said and like half mounted it, it, what half <laughs> half mounted yes half mounted oh boy ghost and it's just it's just that way with everything okay okay so i got this is the vision i want for the animal you know like, like the the desert sheep I, I sent him a picture of that i'm like this is where he was when i shot him and uh i had donnie wilson do the photography work when we were down there and we, so we had it all on camera i said i want him to look just like that with that same look back he's like you know how many times got to keep cutting these molds to make them work, but I just I like how they they turn out. Oh, so. well, they're definitely awesome. They really are. And you know, when we came up for the Archery Eve event, um, and, and what that was is like a celebration, right? So to our listeners, Archery Eve event for Outdoor Insiders is the night before opening day of archery season in Pennsylvania, and. Uh, April, Declan, Zoe, and Ava all came up and we, we did a, you know, we participated as a, I guess, a vendor, so to speak. And we offered coffee out to anybody that wanted it. And, uh, you know, for us, I was like, I'm really not sure how this is going to go for us with kids because any of the coffee that we'd ever done prior to this, as far as any event was just me and April. And uh, so initially we're like, okay, we're just going to do the morning. I talked to Alicia. I'm like, hey, you know, we had to bring our kids with us. So we're just going to probably do the morning. And then, you know, we're going to hang out and we'll definitely be back for the concert. And uh, then the kids got here and they started seeing all the mounts. And then the fact that they like, they were just, I mean, they were kids. They weren't well behaved all day, but they, for the most part, were well behaved. And, you know, at the end of it, I was like, Zoe, like, normally you're like 100 miles an hour, you and Declan, like, what what was going on? And they spent most of their day over here by the um, the moose and uh, the grizzly. And uh, because they just loved sitting there and they were on their tablets doing their school and just like everything about being in here just for them it kept them like at a very like mild they were just relaxed and i think that's a testament too to the store because you come in here obviously as a hunter you're excited to see everything but it's peaceful and it's something that i think that y'all have done really well at doing it's it spreads out and it's kind of gives you that open there's just it's kind of the stuff around yeah the whole store i think is a big my eventual goal is to have like the North American 29 all mounted and f- like full mounted so you can walk in. What, what's the difference between this animal and that animal? And they're, they're all here is my, my <laughs> overall goal. But That's awesome. That is awesome. There's still quite a few on their way. Yeah. They're, they're under, I think there's a flock of about 20 ducks and geese that still got to get hung up. <laughs> and they're still, he's like, they're ready. I said, ah, I, I gotta wait till Christmas. We'll do it all at the same time. Yeah. By the time we have to hang them and stuff. But uh, 
No, over there on where you're talking with the moose is the water where the water fountain is. That was once we built a store. That was kind of an afterthought. We were with the HVAC people, and I said, "Now you guys have figured something to keep the mounts dry, like or not keep mounts keep them with humidity so they don't dry out." Oh, we don't have that figured in. I'm like, well, "What are we gonna do? Like what? Well, we can add a humidifier, and it was, I don't know, it was like fifty or sixty thousand. I said, well, "What about like a water feature? Would that put water in the air?" Oh yeah, I'm like, oh, we'll do that then. Yeah, and the and the, and the builders just like puts his <laughs> puts his heads in his hands. He's like, where are we gonna put a water fountain, water feature? And so we started. Oh, we're gonna do this. This is what we're gonna do in the corner. And it was stuff like that constantly. And I I feel bad for them poor people because it was constantly changing something yeah. every couple of days or something new when we were building it. <laughs> and they weren't underneath like a small time crunch either at all. Like, yeah, had <laughs> a real short window to get it done. <laughs> Him and your taxidermist get together on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they that was that was a big push. And the same thing with the taxidermist. Like, I, I need all these mounts, like the bison. I need it done. But, yeah. Um, I, I want it done because it has to get in the store and get put up before. Like, that had to get put up before some of the stairs got on because just trying to get it up that high was an issue. But yeah, no, that's really cool. And then you'll have an outdoor pavilion. That's where the concerts take place, yeah. and you do some different yeah. events out there as well. Yeah, and that was that was like an afterthought. Same thing. Like we should have a place so we can have outdoor like parties and stuff into it, like the pavilion. So that was a that was last minute. And, yeah. Um, actually, I had end up end up having some of my guys from my other company build it. That aren't like we do construction work, but the builder building the was they weren't going to have time to get that built. So I had these other guys that worked for me. They did carpentry work in the past. I said, "Hey, I'll make you a deal if you guys come up and help build this." I'll let you have any gun you want out of the gun room. <laughs> so they came up and came up and helped build it and get it, get it finished. Let me know if you do that again. <laughs> uh, uh, and then the, the newest addition is an indoor paper range. Yeah. 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 That'll be open in December. Uh, I didn't realize how many people shoot paper, I guess. Like I'm, I, I love the archery hunt, but I like shooting 3d. I guess yeah. it's because of hunting, you know, <laughs> so I'm just not a big paper shooter, but I didn't realize the, the, amount of people that shoot paper so that was the one thing we lacked we had that small paper range but it's not big enough to hold tournaments and stuff so yeah that was our you know we looked at whether we we're going to add it on or what we were going to do so we decided to build the building but that'll be nice that'll be open in december and then uh it'll be really good for like the schools to shoot like nasp and stuff yeah. can shoot in there so all the they'll i think uh montrose is going to be practicing there and it's just it's good for the kids you know yeah. what i mean it's a good opportunity for them to shoot and There'll be like NAS tournaments here. We'll have a couple this year. It starts. We have one next next month. It's here in the 3D range, but then the next two, the, the bigger ones, will be out there. Okay. So. Now tell me about the 3D range because that's a double deck, right? Or yeah. no, no, you got you know your normal lower level, and then you got your upper deck. Like what what was that like when you were trying to come up with it? Because you got 40 yards in there, and I think that's awesome. That that was just the. The big thing was somewhere to shoot in the winter. You know, I mean, there's just like you can go a lot of places and shoot 20 yards, but that that was kind of the the start of the idea of the store was was we were going to build a we wanted to have a range. We we're going to have a range and like a small bow shop retail shop off of it, which that drastically got changed. But, right. Um, I just always wanted a place to go shoot and shoot 3D and be able to go through it. But like, as you've seen, we we add stuff, you know, the tree into it, and yeah. God love my guys because it's like we're we're gonna put the tree in there that that oak tree it's in there, <laughs> and I take Shane out. Shane's like, what what oak tree? I'm like, 
that one. That one? How am I going to get it in there? I said, I don't know. I just want it in there because it'll be cool. It'll yeah. give some. It'll give some features to it. Yeah. Or like we're going to move all this rock pile and put it in there, and make it look like a mountain. But are you, like, and they just look at me, and, but they get it done. They yeah. always get it done. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so the rock pile that's got the bighorn. Yeah. 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 And uh, I shot that one, and I'm like, I got to climb up there now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's uh. It's fun. It's something different than just not just setting out there and in, yeah. in the same spot. It kind of gives you that different. Um, it seems like y'all kind of rotate the targets around a lot too because yeah. from one week to the next, I feel like they change. Not a lot, but they change. Yeah. every So every uh, once like leagues start in January, every week we rotate the targets, whether some of them go out, some of them we change them out. We, yeah. We have like 100 targets all together. So we, we try to keep them rotated so that there's something different so you're not it doesn't get stale and boring you know what i mean the last thing you want to do is shoot the same target and yeah. number one's always a bear number two is always a deer like you know and he stands here like it's just it makes it more yeah. more interactive when they're different and they change you know i had i was blown away when i walked in and i saw sasquatch <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i gotta shoot that one yeah. that was the first target i shot in here was sasquatch when uh when we were when we're buying from the targets from Reinhardt, I'm like, oh, we got to have that too. Yeah. Oh, we have to have that one too. Like the lion. I, oh, we have to have the lion. It's just, yeah. you know. Well, so I guess the, it was probably right before Nebraska. I was in here shooting, just trying to make sure everything was good to go. And uh, I took a, some videos of me shooting and whatnot. And there's a, a raptor, right? A little T-Rex or a raptor. And Declan loves dinosaurs. And so I was, I, you know, showing him. I'm like, hey, buddy, look at this. And he's like, oh, where's that? You know, and now he wants to hunt them. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> we can hunt them up here. <laughs> you got to come to Pennsylvania for that. <laughs> but, uh, and then you got the outdoor range, right? Um, I mean, that's a big 3D range. All It's down by the interstate all up around the back here um i was shooting 100 yards but from the one big block target to the to where i was at was 100 but then there's another one even further back i don't even i don't even know what that is but 100 plus yeah, for sure yeah so there's you know there's there's the blocks to sight in and then the the 3d course that takes you through the trail it's it's kind of set up with the attack kind of feel but not attack feel but not a you know where it's a long walk you know what i mean yeah. it's, it's like three quarters of a mile roughly to walk around it but it's it kind of gives you that through the woods you know what i mean you start in a dam you're, you're shooting across the pond there's a gator down in the pond you know what i mean and we we don't move them quite as much but we still yeah. somewhat no they're fun um, i have a blast out there yeah it's next year uh reinhardt has the r100 yeah. shoot with the has the like africa the 15 there's 15 and 50 they're gonna next year we're going to be hosting that here also on here nice. this property in the neighboring property so well, that's so awesome we'll have to get dates cool. for that and let all yeah. of our listeners know and maybe do some sort of either like a leading up to it or maybe even a wrap-up of it or something we'll definitely yeah, get you back absolutely. on and awesome. talk about it yeah because i tell you what if you are anywhere southern new york new jersey you know that northern pennsylvania from i i'd even i actually one of my buddies came over from sarah and shot from watching videos he's like where is this at is this back home in virginia i'm like nah man it's over over uh in uh, new milford right there and he's like that's an hour away and that's down he came and uh 
So if anybody is in this general area, Scranton, Dixon City, Wilkes-Barre, all the way up to Binghamton, like centrally located, it kind of would be the way that I would uh, say it, like get over here, especially in the winter. You know, that's that's perfect. I love coming in here in the wintertime and shooting. It's just, it's really fun. And you're out of the elements, but you get to keep shooting your bow. Yeah, 100%. And then there's... We're, we're really trying to this year, like last year was last year being first year open, trying to get our feet on, trying to understand, you know, different, you know, just, just learning curves. But this year we're going to, every Saturday, there's a, there's a money shoot will be every week. And it's, it might be 3d this week. It might next week be uh youth NASP. It might be paper, you know, bullseye a week later, but every, every week starting in January, we're going to do a money shoot every, every Saturday. It's just nice. trying to, you know, something more, something to try to get more people into it, you know. No, I saw you guys do something that I've never seen, the black lights. That was recently yeah. here. Like, that, yeah. I wish I was up here for that time frame, but that, that looked really cool. That's that's just something, I don't know, we, we had the idea last year. We, we put together last year, kind of threw it together quick to see if it would work. Had a lot of fun. This year we had, had a real good turnout for it. Yeah. It's just black out the range and just – the targets are glowing. It's just different. It's just yeah. something different. It's, it's it's not a it's not a, it's not a scored shoot or nothing. It's just a fun shoot to enjoy. You know, I mean, yeah. we have food. We did wings and stuff and pizza this year, and it's just something more to trying to like bring people together. You yeah. know, I mean, it's it's more of a you know, it doesn't have to always be serious all the time. You know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. That was one of the things. Like I like three D shooting, but I got to where. I deal with target panic, right? And so I mean, I, I think a lot of archers do in some form, and yep. some may be more drastic than others. But the more people that are around me, it seems like that, like not necessarily anxiety, but that sense of like pressure increases. And so like 3D for a long time was not fun for me. But when I can get together with a bunch of people, and shoot and have fun because we're not keeping score and it's you know it's one of those things that it's like it almost takes the fun out of it right if you and it's all self-inflicted right because no one around me cares whether i shoot good or bad i mean they're going to pick on me if i shoot bad and they're going to congratulate me if i shoot good but it's all about building that camaraderie and that's you know by doing some of these unscored you know more fun style shoots. I think that really helps bring people into this as far as like into the archery. hundred percent. I, I think, and in, in we, that was a big thing. We opened the store. I was surprised at how many people came in. I think it was, it was cool to see people bringing a bow that's five years old, 10 years old, want new strings onto it or this and that want to just have an opportunity to shoot. It was new to them, things like that. It yeah. was, it was just kind of cool to see the, the different people, even people coming in, we sold a lot of entry level bows. They're like, man, I just want something to do, and it just, it, it was kind of cool to see how much it built, like, yeah, new, uh, new people to the industry, to the, you know, what I mean, to the sport, really. Yeah. And it was just, it was cool in a way, you know. No, absolutely, and I think that like that's something that you know, with hunting day, that that's our goal, that's our purpose, is to bring on that next generation, and you know, it, if we can educate them and you know, inspire them to do that and you know that's something that you get to do daily yeah. you know and i think that's awesome and you know i'm like that is something to be proud of and and you're not just 
again, you're not just selling them a bow. You're introducing them to a lifestyle. You've got the text to set them up. You know, people, I'm sure people come in and they're like, hey, I want a Matthews or hey, I want a Hoyt and have no clue why they want it other than because someone told them to. But at the same time, like your techs are here and they're going to be like, hey, won't you try this elite while you're here? Hey, shoot this bow tech too. And, you know, kind of get them fitted for the bow that fits them. And then, you know, it may be that entry level bow. Yeah. But next year or two years from now, they're coming in and they're getting that flagship bow, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that stores like this matter and they're important for the future. Other stores that just want to sell somebody a bow, like they're 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 around, and I'm not knocking them, but it's stores like Outdoor Insiders that are going to make a difference, and that's one of the main reasons why, like I wanted to get our coffee here, and so you know if anyone's in the northern Pennsylvania area and they want to buy really good coffee, they sell Hunting Day coffee I, here. So. I know a place. <laughs> you know a place. No so. place. But that you know, and that's to me that matters, right? Because if I'm going to do business with you, I gotta I've. I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm on this pedestal by no means, but if I'm going to do business with you, I got to believe in you and what you're doing and and feel like that we're aligning, right? And and so when the opportunity came to put coffee in your store and you were like very generous and very gracious to, to you know, take a chance on us, that really meant a lot to me because I really looked up to your store. You know, y'all been around a little over two years now, right? And uh, so you've been here for yeah. just over a year in this store. But it's like, it was one of those things that it meant a lot to me that you were willing to carry my coffee. But also, I was holding you to a standard that I would like to hold all stores to, not because of my coffee, but because of you're the, you know, you're the face of, you know, when when it comes to, all right, I want a new gun, you know, and Hey, I'm going to go buy a Remington or, Hey, I'm going to go buy a Browning or a Christensen or, you know, best of the West, any of the guns that you guys carry here, you're going to make sure that when someone comes in, yeah, they're going to have a budget, but you're going to work within their budget to get them the very best thing that they can shoot. Exactly. But it's, you know, it's relationships. Like, you know, you say about the coffee, but it's, it's a two way relationship. Yep. And, and that's, that's been a big thing through, through everything with products that come in and, and, you know, and, when we first when we first started the store, we we were in Montrose, like it's very small store. Yeah. We were we tried to use. We originally went. We we were in my conference room at my other company for a little. Like we're busting the seams, we can't keep it all there, so we we moved to the other store just as we're trying because we always we're going to build this. Yeah, and we're talking to like vendors and stuff. Hey, we're going to build this store, and, this, and they're like, e- right, yeah, you are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, really, we're going to build it. And a lot of vendors was, I mean, combination that time they didn't have a lot of product. There's a lot of them that were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't call us again. You know what I mean? Crazy. Don't, don't like, yeah. lose our number. <laughs> this kid's, this kid's losing his mind. Right. And, and Alicia struggled with that a lot, trying to get him to ant, like respond and different ones. And, and then as the store started going up, it was funny how things just kind of started to, started to turn around and started yeah. to change. But the ones that believed us in the, like in the beginning, I will wholeheartedly say that they're, you know, I mean, they're the definitely, they're our, our best, you know, I mean, our, our vendors that have the best relationships yeah. now, you know what I mean? And and I, so like, like you say, it's, it's about relationships yep. no matter what, you know, and I think that same thing, we have that same respect with our, our vendors, but that's the same we try to have with our clients too, or our customers, yeah. you know what I mean? It, 
you know, somebody comes in with a bow, you can't say to them, uh, yeah, I can, it, I mean, it's the rut, right? Like, what were we both doing tonight? We're both out hunting before yeah. now, right? We're, it's, you can't, oh yeah, drop it off. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's a crossbow or whatever. You know, if we might have to steal a string off of another bow in the back to get them back out there hunting, but what are you going to do? Tell them I'll order it and, you know, zebra will have the new string shipped in in a week and i could probably put it back to you end of next week so you're the whole week of you know the, the prime time of the year you're gonna miss it hunting you can't do that you know mm. what i mean you have to you have to do whatever you possibly can to get it back you know what i mean and yeah we've we've given people ravens like it needed a part hey just take this one hunt with this one and just we'll get yours fixed and then just bring it back you know what i mean just but that's you know that's awesome that's what i would want like if it was and i, I try to look at the same way you know i mean you necessarily can't do that with everyone you know what i mean because not every situation is exactly but majority of the time you try to do whatever you can to make you know what i mean at the end of the day we're all we're all out to hunt you know what i mean yeah. we're all out to, it's well that's you know i'll kind of go back to that nebraska and having all those arrows because i had a dozen arrows fletched with tack veins and uh I had a bunch of, I don't know, it was like, I think all in all, it was like 27 more arrows that were a variety. They were all the same arrow, the Carbon Express Maxima Red 350s, but they were, you know, boning veins. And, you know, like I had some four inch veins, I had some two blazer, two inch blazer veins. So it was like a combination of all these different ones. And I'm like, well, you know, I've been practicing to 100 yards with the tacks. Right. And I need to make sure that, you know, I got a seven inch wrap with the tack, two and three quarter tack veins. Yeah. Right. I want to make sure everything's the same because if I'm shooting at distance, I want to make sure that my setup is the same across the board. And so I come in here with two weeks to go to Nebraska. Right. And I'm like, they're going to kill me if I bring 27 arrows in here and say, hey, can you make them match these <laughs> dozen that I already have? And by the way, I'm leaving for Nebraska, you know, on the 17th, right? And Steve's like, I think, no, I'll take that back. It was Ethan. I'm like, hey, any chance you can get these wrapped and fledged for me? And this was like on a, I came up, it was Wednesday. And he's like, yeah, I probably have them by Friday. And I'm like, like in two days? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I'll just do them in between working on bows. And I'm like, what? Like, you serious and i'm like no rush like i just i'm leaving by the 17th like so if i could pick them up the 16th that'd be great then Teresa calls me on friday leaves me a voicemail like hey your arrows are done come pick them up whenever you like i get in here and steve's there and he's like man these are pretty nice looking arrows and i'm like i can't believe y'all got these done (laughs) so fast like i had a dozen like i was good but i just wanted backup and y'all knocked them out man it was awesome no it's it's kind of that's but that's the they're used to dealing with me like i'll be the day before and i'll come in hey i want these done can you do these quick yeah and i always make whoever does my arrows it's like a weird thing i make them sign them you gotta sign the one arrow that's what i'm gonna shoot first and i always make them sign the arrows like if you you ever see the pictures that i have on my instagram with the the moose that uh teresa had signed on to it where i shot the moose and stuff so i'd posted it It dude that is what a cool tradition like yeah it's it's just something you know i and i'm not letting air i'm not letting ethan build any more arrows because the last couple hunts i went on it's been a little rough he signed the arrow so i think it's there's bad karma there or something (laughs) i'm not sure it's just (laughs) no oh that's awesome 
back to the the like the campus is what I'm going to call it, right? The OI campus, <laughs> right? Because this is what it's becoming. It really is. You know, you got the store, which is like the the center, the staple, the foundation. You got the indoor range attached to it, the indoor 3D range. You have an indoor paper range that's just a couple lanes. What it was like six lanes or something like that. Yeah, I think there's six. And uh, but then you got the pavilion. You got the new paper range, twenty five lanes. Yep. And then you got the big outdoor course. Like this, literally is a hunter's and fisherman's. I don't. I don't want to know, call it all in one because you know you can't hunt here. But <laughs> I mean, you can shoot plenty of foam here. But it's one of those things. Actually, I remember I sent you a picture. I think I sent you a picture. I know I sent you a text. I was out there shooting the hundred yards and a, a nice buck. You know, he's like 180 yards, 200 yards on the tree line there. And he was just cruising along. And I'm like, wonder if Rue hunts here. I, he probably should. <laughs> I, I put a food plot in last fall up there, little, uh, it was like August and something. We put it up on the hill. And I haven't hunted there yet, but we put it in just to kind of keep an eye because there, there was a handful of them that kept coming in there yeah. from the, the backside of the property. And well, they were. But we just haven't been there yet yeah well i would definitely say wouldn't hurt that's for sure because yeah. that was a nice buck it really was and uh definitely something that another testament to like this area you know not everybody is a trophy hunter by no means um in this area but like what I, one thing that i like about hunting in pennsylvania is y'all have a one buck a year limit and then you know there's a three-point restriction as well and then like it seems like this area in general and especially uh, like kind of in the store at least definitely is a you know mature deer is what you're after not necessarily antler size per se i mean it, that takes you know there's consideration there as well but like like this general area i hunt not far from here i hunt like 10 minutes you know it's probably realistically four miles by the way the crow flies if that and I see good bucks and, you know, I go back home in Virginia where we're allowed three bucks a year and there's no point restrictions and our doe days are so limited that the first legal deer that people see is typically a spike, three-pointer, four-pointer, small eight-pointer, whatever it may be, you know, these year-and-a-half-old deer, and they're getting killed. And I'll never tell someone they can't do that because they paid for their license and they're yeah. legally able to do that. But I just like hunting here because that buck that I saw, he was – I'm I'm not the best at aging him, and I didn't see his birth certificate by no means. But <laughs> I'm going to say he was a two-and-a-half-year-old deer, and he was a stud. It, it's it's made the point restriction, a lot of people hated it in the beginning, but it's really made a big difference. And it's, it's It's made, I think, Pennsylvania realize what the potential is, what, what you can – you know, I mean, you're, you're seeing more deer every year shot. You know, every, every year it's getting consistently better. And, yeah. And you're seeing more – you, you can even kind of see a, I don't know, say climate change, but in, in the store, like a, a, a change in climate's not the right word, but atm or uh, culture, culture. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Culture change into people that like a year ago, deer that people were looking at and they're like, well, look at this one. And now this year they're like, see this one, I'm not going to shoot him, but look at this one. And yeah. you, you can see where it's, it's progressively improving. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't ever say it's going to be Iowa for sure, but you're, it's got potential to it does. have have a good stand. You know, people are starting to understand the, you know, let them go, let them grow. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, and Chris is saying this always, you can't shoot, you can't shoot a great one if you shoot a good one. You yeah. know what I mean? 
if you don't let the good ones go, you won't shoot a great one. You know? yep. I think there's there's a lot to that. But well, and I'll I'll tell you, like growing up in Virginia, hunting public land, like deer. You know, I might see six to ten deer a year. Now, that, granted, that was be a lot of like my dad would say, "Hey, you know, hunt this ridge and figure out." You know, so a lot of it was me not really knowing what I was looking for. And, you know, God bless my dad, but he was hunting like he wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I was hunting for me. He was hunting for him. And, you know, he gave me the basics and it was up to me from that point on. And, uh, you know, he was always killing decent to nice deer on public land. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I, you know, matured and whatnot but prior to maturing even when we lived in west virginia we lived in morgantown and west virginia has some really nice deer but again they can kill two no, three three bucks a year and uh me and april got permission to hunt this uh it was a 35 acre piece of woods and uh we uh the first evening we sat there i think we saw like 30 some deer and i'm like april I've seen more deer in two hours than I would have, you know, when I was 15 years old hunting public land. I'd go a whole season and not see. I'd, I could hunt three seasons and not see this many deer at times. And, uh, you know, this little raggedy six-pointer comes out, and she had her 25-odd six, and she dumps him at like 300 and some yards, right? And then we look up the hill, and there's this really big a pointer and it's like he just turns and goes right back in the woods and you know part of me was like oh man we missed a big one but then at the other time i'm like we got us a buck you know and then so I'll, that's why one reason why i'll never take that away from anybody if you're excited about it and you want to kill it kill it and you know the very next day that we went and hunted that property i killed a three-pointer and i was just as excited right and you know fast forward i've gotten you know again that maturity like it's out of my system i have kids now that hunt <laughs> ava doesn't even shoot those deer and she's nine years old right and i i kid you not she passed a three-pointer last year or he was a four if you count like the little nub and he had for a brow time and uh he's like no i'll i'll either let let him live or zoe can shoot him when next time she's here you know and you know someone else in my family ended up killing that deer and I was just as excited for them as well. And it's, uh, but it was one of those things where just the other evening I was sitting not far from here and I had this little dink eight pointer come in 12 yards. And I was like, man, you are lucky. I am a changed person <laughs> because you would be going home with me right now. And, you know, thank God I didn't shoot him because a big i don't know if he was an eight or a ten because the way he came in he followed the trail of a doe and just skirted me about 80 yards and uh you know just a real solid buck and you know hey he made it over to the private property hopefully he's still alive maybe i'll catch up to him one day but you know had i shot this little dink i probably would never would have seen the big buck never seen him and uh you know it was just one of those things though it was really cool i was messing around on tiktok because most of my views on TikTok come from me, you know, kind of making some sort of satire or parody of some sort. And so, you know, I just captioned it, put POV 162 and 3 8 inch whitetail at 12 yards. And clearly this thing doesn't even make 60 inches and people are losing their minds. Like, and I'm like, 
the amount of people that don't get the sarcasm in it. And I think at times, like that's probably our downfall as hunters and as a, you know, a group of people, like we're so caught up on certain things and we always got to tell somebody, you know, what our thoughts are, what, you know, what they're doing wrong type of deal. And so, I mean, that's a rabbit trail. I don't know how I got there, but you know, it was one of those things where it was a lot of fun and I'm still having fun yeah. with it. And <laughs> you're hundred percent right though. It doesn't always have to be serious. It's fun. Right? Yeah. It's a hobby. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's you, you got to do it to enjoy it, but you're right. Some people get so hung up and, uh, you know, like the the right down to the detail on every little thing. You're like, eh, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, like I, I've seen it with different people who shoot in the range sometime. Well, if I'm, I'm off a little bit like they're, yeah, maybe you're just torquing the bow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's my sight. I think this, I think, eh, no, I'm pretty sure you're just torquing the bow. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's over, you know, it's, just do it to you because you enjoy it. You're right. Some people just get very serious about things. You know what I mean? And yeah. One of my rules, uh, back to what you were just saying, though, like, okay, if I go to a range and, you know, I'm out, or if I'm shooting in the backyard, whatever it may be, and, like, for some reason today I'm just hitting off to the right, right? I'm like, do I change my, you know, do I adjust? Do I not? And And it was, it seemed like nine times out of ten, it was something I was doing that day because – I would make the adjustment and then now tomorrow I'm shooting the other way. Right. And so it's just, you know, back and forth, back and forth. So it was to me, like if I did something two days in a row, the likelihood of me making that same mistake would be, you know, it's there. It's not a high probability of that. So if it's all right, okay, two days in a row, I've shot three inches to the right and I'm consistently grouping there. Maybe it's time to make an adjustment, you know? So I get it though. I, I I shoot with some guys that you know if they're an inch to the right, it's like oh my setup screwed up. I got to do something different. And I'm like, maybe you just shot an inch to the right. Like I, you you were saying about the HHA site, and and I see, I'll see guys. Uh, I pick on um, one of Kale's friends. He shoots three arrows, and he's like, I, I think I'm good. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> shoot like. 30 yeah 90 100 shoot today come back tomorrow shoot some more before you put that sight tape on because when you put they put sight tape it's not i'm low you might have rushed the sight tape. yeah it took more than three arrows you know and well and that's just it because Teresa was like shoot 20 30 40 50 60 and then you're 20 and you're 60 you know you're good once you figured that out that's your sight tape yep. By the time I was shooting 60, I had shot so many arrows and I, and I came in and she's like, what do you think? I said, I need another day before I put that tape on there because I think I got it, but I'm pretty tired. And it was, you know, this was, I think back in July or August. So it was hot, you know, I'm sweating and, you know, and I'm like, I'm gonna come back another day. And that's what I ended up doing, coming back and then getting everything. And you know what? I wasn't where I needed to be. I had to adjust. And then next thing you know, now I got the right sight tape. Good to go. And, uh, but yeah, it matters. It really does. And the, the big thing I've noticed is like my 20 setting my 20 is a big, like, you know, I think if it's, if it's at zero, it's at four or five, whatever it is, yeah. it, it's because they, sh like a new bow shoots so fast. You know I mean? If you're shooting 280 or whatever, it's just, you know, one or two, or three, like if you you think it's four, but it's actually it could be five or six. So I always try to like shoot shoot. And I think it is, and I adjust it back a few, and then try to get like my average in the center because it 
I've noticed that makes a big difference. Like you start getting out to your 90 yards, yeah. 100 yards, like you're, you know, you're shooting an attack event or something like that. It really, your distance, a lot of that, it, it doesn't, it's not as bad if you're shooting 30, 40, 50, but yeah. when you're, you know, I don't know. We, we always like shooting far just for fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if I'd shoot a deer at 100 yards, but, you know, I would, you know, it's. Well, when you practice at 100, those 30 yard shots seem a lot easier. 100%. Uh, a friend of mine uh, from WTA, where I book a lot of hunts with, he said, no matter what, before I went on my um, sheep hunt, he's like, practice at 100. He said, and then every yard at 50 will feel like you're shooting him at 20. And it's it's 100%. Yeah. You, 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 a lot of guys get up to that and they, they shoot that 40, they shoot that 50, and then they're just worried about, that. Well, I can't shoot any farther than that. And it's like, well, I was on a mule deer hunt and we come back around, there was a, there's a mule deer standing right there, and you could see the guy in the ditch. I'm like, he's gonna smoke that thing. Got back to campus. Did you shoot him? No, he was 55. I, I can't shoot over 50. I'm like, it was five yards. Like, wow. It was five yards, man. I, I like, I thought to myself, like, I just never want to get into that situation where, like, yeah. you know, I mean, not saying, like, not saying there's, you have a comfortability level, which is good, you know what I mean? But, you know, not to be like, yeah, no, one hundred. You gotta not be afraid to add a little to her if you have to. You yeah, know, you're on a hunt. You're on a chance, and you know. Well, that's you know when I was when I booked my Nebraska hunt with uh, we went with Chalk Bank Outfitters and uh, or Chalk Bank Outdoors. I'm sorry, and uh, me and Chance were in a group message with Jason Phillips. He's the owner, and I'm like, hey, what's our you know what's our expected you know obviously you can't tell me exactly where I'm going to shoot my deer, but what's an average? And he was like. River bottom whitetails, 20 to 40, spot and stalk mule deer, anywhere 20 out to 60. Yeah. And he's like, 60 is more common than 20. And I was like, okay. And I was like, Chance, you know, me and him talked offline. I'm like, you good with this? And he's like, oh, absolutely. And he's like, How, what's your comfortability level? I'm like, well, the furthest I've ever killed a whitetail is 69 yards. I said, I try not to, you know, make that a habit, but at the same time, like I'm comfortable out, to, you know, we'll call it 60 for now. And then I ended up, I was, I, that's when I had the VXR, got the phase four. And then I started shooting, you know, at the house, 60 yards, really good, really good, really good, really good, really good, really good. And then out here, hundred yards, really good, really good. And then 60 became, like you said, it, and then 30, I'm like, I'm out here in the range and I'm like, you know, I can't shoot really the same target. Not that I'm going to Robin Hood every arrow, but I'm starting to damage some arrows. I'm like, all right, don't shoot the same 3D target. And if you do, pick a different spot, <laughs> you know? And so same thing on like just shooting my little bag target. It's like, all right, there's five X's on there for a reason. Don't yeah. shoot the same one, you know, because again, it's starting to get expensive when you, when you start smacking arrows against each other. Hundred percent. I, I was in uh I was up in um Alaska last year, caribou hunting, and we'd we'd hunt it like we got there first couple of days and there's the first day, like we seen caribou right behind the tent. I go, Holy shit, they're right here. Yeah. I'm like, this is this is almost too easy. Like there's five of them and there's three out of them or five of them are good bulls. And they're literally two hundred yards behind the tent, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Get next morning, there's caribou everywhere. Like, this is this is pretty easy. So I'm being super choosy. We chased a couple, just couldn't make the plays really work out. Next day, wake up, they're gone. Right? 
<laughs> we don't see caribou anywhere. Like, where, where did they? Am I in the same spot? So, long story short, we end up seeing one, and we can't get on. Like, he just it kind of drops down this little valley, disappears. We end up seeing him on like this is like beginning of the week, and then Friday we end up seeing him again up over the hill. So we we go up after him, don't find him, finally see him, and I don't know if it was just excitement or what. He he's there at sixty four yards. I'm like. Oh. I pull back. I shoot him through the back leg. I'm like, oh, my God. Knock another arrow quick. And yeah. I'm yelling. And the, the guide actually, the funny thing about it is we get there in Alaska, the backtracking up. But, you know, in the beginning, he's like, oh, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Pennsylvania. He said, where are you from? He's like, Lancaster. I'm like, I'm like, I'm from Montrose. We're like two, three hours apart. We, yeah. do, a lot, we do a lot of work in Lancaster. Like, familiar where he's from. We got to know him pretty good. Pretty, yeah. A real good guy. It runs out. I'm like, what's his range? What's his range? 97 and he's, and he's thinking like why am i even telling you that 10 ring that thing and yeah. he's like where was that shot before <laughs> i said I, I don't know i don't know <laughs> i have no idea what happened but that was it was the same thing you know yeah um but you, you want to be prepared for that opportunity because you don't know you know what i mean yeah it was a follow-up shot but still it's hey you know. it's the one that counts yep. though, right and that's one thing that you know, all of my hunting trips, primarily, I did one main bear trip back in 2011 with archery equipment, and I missed, right? Again, you know, that I don't want to call that target panic. That was big black bear in front of me, you know, less than 20 yards. I was... Adrenaline. I, yeah, adrenaline. Well, you know, if I could have bottled it, I'd have been a millionaire, right? And, uh, you know, that was just... And it was one of those things, where, like, after that, I got to where I was like, you know what? If I'm going to start paying to go on these hunts, I'm taking my rifle and I'm going to get a couple of these hunts under my belt. And then from there, I'll start going back and redoing these hunts with a bow. And so for me to do this Nebraska hunt, you know, I've never been to Nebraska until this trip. And Chance convinced me, he's like, we got to do this with a bow. And I'm like, Chance, you know, I love the bow hunt. I've How many times have I come to Texas? I've said, I, I spear hunt more than I bow hunt, right? I said, you really think that we can, you know, go do this? And he's like, yeah. So we started looking for an outfitter and I knew Jason and I wasn't sure if he was going to have an opening and he, he squeezed us in there. And uh, so it worked out though to where like it really kind of got me over, not really over anything, but it was like in my head. I'm like, I'm paying for this hunt. I want to come back with, a you know, something to show for it, it which is very contradicting to everything that my podcast stands for right because there is so much more to a hunt than killing an animal and so at the end of it you know i come back with i got <laughs> this is funny i got stabbed by my outfitter or by my guide <laughs> with my own arrow in my trigger finger for my release right a complete accident right i'm i'm running a, a leg quiver kind of like a hip quiver in a sense but it's like your normal like five arrow quiver five arrow quiver but it's attached to my leg you know i've got seven inch white wraps with three you know all white veins right so i'm just you know all white right and uh we're in this very like high tense lot of pressure scenario we've been chasing literally chasing five mature big i mean big mule deer some of the biggest deer i've ever seen in my life and we we chased them they would go over a ridge and we'd just run as fast as we could because we had plenty of wind and at one point i'm like lucas 
we can race them to where they're going all you want. But if I can't pull my bow back when we get there, this is pointless. Like <laughs> we, we need to calm it down a little bit, but they would go over a ridge and we'd go over a ridge. And then like, we would constantly, it's like leap, not really leapfrog, but like we were closing the distance. And so where there's this big pucker brush and from ridge top to ridge tops, like 90 yards and they're coming up the ridge. And so he would raise up just enough and, He'd range them. And he's like, all right, right now they're at 70 yards. And I'm like, do I got a shot? He's like, not really. And, you know, so we're like commentary back and forth. And, you know, like we're at a point where I'm like, let's like, let's definitely keep this under a hundred. But like, if, like, let me know if the opportunity's coming. And so like he'd raise up and like, he's like, all right, here's your opportunity. He's like, it's going to be 80. And so, and it mattered. He needed to tell me the range because, you know, I'm running this single pin. And at first he didn't quite understand that. I'm like, I need to know, like, I'm not, there's no shooting the gap or anything here between pins. Like I'm, you know, I really need to know where I'm at. And so, you know, um, you know, trying to like dial my, my sight yep. on the, like laying, not really on my belly, but like being like as low as possible. Well, no matter how low I get, my arrows are pretty much staying in the same position and it's up, you know? And so he grabs my quiver and tries to like kind of pull it down. Not, I guess not really knowing that it's not just attached to my belt, but it's attached to my, my leg. <laughs> And so I don't know that it's him. I just feel my quiver move. And so I grab it and I grab it at the base, like at my leg. And then he grabs it again and pulls it. And that G5 mega meat right across the the old trigger finger. It was one of those things I told him, I said, I don't recommend doing this to everybody. But every bit of nervousness I had went away <laughs> because I was like, what the crap was that, you know? And so I didn't like, I didn't even focus on it. Like I was like, oh man, like almost like I got stung by a bee type of deal. Right. And so, which you know, it's like 40 degrees. There's no bees, you know, we're in the sand hills. And so put my release on the bow and I stand up, I come to full draw. I'm behind the pucker brush. I make a step. And when I take a step, a prairie chicken, I kid you not, it's like 10 feet away from us flies up and they turn look right at me i'm like trying to figure out which one to shoot and they take off right and i'm like tag on it that was the fourth time i was at full draw on this trip <sighs> right and you know we got two days left on this hunt and i'm just like kicking myself right like why Right. Well, then I let down and I'm like, I look at my hand. I'm like, well, that's a lot of blood. And I had blood smeared across my cheek from, my <laughs> and they're like, Chance and Luke's like, what, what happened? I'm like, I have no idea, but I know my quiver was moving and I grabbed it. And that's when Lucas was like, uh, and I'm like, did you stab me? And so like the whole time I'm like, I can't believe, like, I, like, I knew it was probably going to come as eventually as much crap as I've talked on this trip, but you could have waited till I actually killed something before you stabbed me <laughs> because anybody that spends any amount of time, especially in deer camp with me, like there's, there's a lot of uh, ribbon and jabbing going on. So <laughs> that, that's what's about though. Right? It is. It, it is. It, it makes it, we were uh, on the mule deer hunt. I, sh I hunted with uh Shea Wayman out in um, Wyoming. I drew a tag and hunted the same you know, 
chased him to, and, and finally we crawled up across this. We, we see him. It was like second to last day, crawl up across. And it's like, you're like, we're crawling, we're crawling. He's like, how far do you feel comfortable? I said, I feel comfortable shoot up to 80 yards. Cause like we're, we're down the wire and thinking, yeah, I shoot, but underestimating it's a little different, right? Yeah. We, we crawl up and we crawl up and like we're walking and then we can kind of see him. So we drop down, we're crawling and then we, our belly crawling and it's through like the, this little cactus crap. Oh, and you're like, ah, and you're crawling up through, keep kind of like just throwing the bow up and we're, and we're laying there on our, like on our bellies and, and like got our arms back. I'm thinking, yeah, that's all right. He's like, wait till we can just see the tips of their horns. He's like, well, this is where we can go. And we don't know exactly what the yardage is. They stand up. He's like, all right, let's, let's kill him. So set up. I set up. I draw the bow back. Well, I didn't, I didn't calculate how windy it was. Yeah. How windy it was. How sore my arms were because we had to lay there for probably an hour and a half in that position. I draw back. I can't. I'm I'm all over the deer. I let my bow back up. I draw back again. He's, and he's, he's yelling me, get your shit together. Get your <laughs> shit together. He's going to run. Get your shit. Would you get your shit together? He's yelling, I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. I drew back again. Let back up. I let back up twice. Finally, I drew back. I could finally at that point, I don't know what the difference was, find the anchor and I shot him. But he's like, wow. I wasn't sure if we were going to shoot him or not. Are you just going to let him run into the wind again? He goes, because there was a couple more that week that we had busted. You know yeah. what I mean? That He's like, if you could have walked a little bit quieter, could you give them shoes to somebody else? That was just like, you say like the jabbing and yeah. the, you know what I mean? But got to know him well from hunting and stuff. And that's a good awesome. friend. I love it. And you know, that's one of the things like chance. One of like chance is one of my best friends now. And I met him four years ago on a hunt in texas you know i was hunting with a different outfitter who had permission to hunt chance's property and i was on an axis hunt you know went in killed this really nice axis deer actually april killed a phenomenal 35 and a half inch axis deer full velvet and like and you know back to the jab and from husband to wife you know i hunted axis deer for four years and hadn't killed one yet on her very first hunt her first morning in the stand she smokes this like just beautiful buck and i'm like really like why did i bring you you know which ultimately she brought me right and you know so we uh he became one of my best friends you know and lucas you know lucas turned 22 he was our guide and uh, he's jason's son he turned 22 on our hunt and uh you know we were out in cody nebraska and there is nothing there, right? I mean, there is a small town. The grocery store is ran by the high school students. Like it is, I mean, I'm talking like you blink, you drive right through a type of deal. And uh, so we end up driving um, into Valentine and getting him a birthday cake, you know, because we're like, you know, hey, he's our new buddy, right? Yeah. He, uh, he's he got long blonde hair. We call him the Sand Hills Fabio. And uh, his his rapper name is Little Dabble. I won't go into that on here. And uh, But, yeah, he's like he's just a really cool kid, right? And I told him, I was like, it's really hard for me to let you be my guide. You're 22 years old. I've been hunting longer than you've been alive. <laughs> However, I'm going to trust you. And every day we saw, you know, big, big mule deer. They weren't all in archery range, right? Um, but I can say I've been to less than five yards on a just phenomenal deer. And the story behind that is we were 
out there, and I'm sure for you in Wyoming, it was the same. The wind helped you for stalking, but again, for shooting your bow, not so much. But you got to have it if you're going to do a stalk, because otherwise they hear way too good. And you're like, we blew out a bunch of deer because one, I'm new to that style of hunting, but you know, the wind just wasn't where it needed to be on some days. And, you know, you'd get close, but you weren't getting archery close. And uh, so long story short, he gets chance on these three big bucks and he comes down to us and he's like, Hey, there's three big ones there. What do y'all think? And I'm like, this is it. You know, I'm thinking to myself, this is it. Chance is going to get one. He's like, y'all want both want to try. And I'm like, let's focus on one. Like I'm, <laughs> one in the hands worth two in the bush yep. type of deal right and i'm like nah, let, like chances up first let him go you know and so like i'm i pull my phone out i'm you know here hey instagram here we go right i'm I'm making a reel is what i'm doing and uh chance comes over the top and they're bedded down like less than 20 yards and you know chance uh he's a he's a lot different in terms of he was going to make sure it was the buck he wanted to shoot. And all three of them were shooters for sure. But one of them was more of a shooter than the others, right? And uh, But to me, like, I, and I'm not knocking Chance by no means because he stands firm in his decision that, you know, he, he at full draw, he's, well, I guess he's right-handed, but he's picking, like, which deer. So he goes one, two, he gets to the third one. Third one's the one he wants to shoot. Deers one and two take off running, and then as he's shooting, deer three runs, and so he complete complete clean miss, you know. And it was one of those things where he like he's like, "Hey, I'm glad I did what I did. I'd have been happy with any of those others, but I've been real happy with the one that I wanted, you know." And so, um, he's like, "Hey, you know, knock an arrow, your turn, right?" I'm like, "All right, you know." So we you know start back looking for these bucks, and they ran like two miles. And then they bedded on this hillside and we get to 614 yards of them. And Lucas is like, Hey, what we need to do is make a big half circle, come in behind them. The wind's like blowing from our right to our left, which is their left to their right. And so it takes us, I don't know, probably 40 minutes to make this big circle. And we come over the ridge and I, you know, I practiced a lot of, you know, just standing and shooting. And, uh, you know, this was a very good learning trip for me when it comes to the spot and stalk with a bow. But it's nothing like looking through your peep, through your sight, walking over a ridge, trying to find an animal. Because when I come over the ridge and that buck's standing less than five yards away, because I don't know if they moved up the ridge to feed or if they just repositioned to bed, but he was standing when I came over the ridge. And he, like, scared me, scared him type of deal, right? (laughs) And then all three of them were gone again, right? And so we backed out. We didn't want to keep messing with them. But that was one of the toughest things that, you know, that deer was right there. Just so close. Just so close. And it was like, you know, like, I almost felt like his eyes popped out of his head because my eyes definitely popped out of my head because I'm thinking they're further down and I'm going to have, like, a 20, 30-yard shot type of deal. And, you know, I come over and I'm like looking through the peep and I'm like, oh, crap, you know, and then gone. And uh, but on our final day, um, no wind, like five mile an hour gust. Right. And it was just we weren't even going to go. But I was like, you know what? It's our last day. You know, we sat in the morning. We sat in the evenings. Midday was our spot and stalk time. 
And it was one of those things where I'm like, we got to go. It's our last day. Like, I know we got one more set this evening, but like, let's try it. So Lucas was like, hey, we'll do it. You know, and we had gotten soaked in our morning hunt. And so he's not wearing his boots. He's wearing these like teal Nikes or whatever they are. Right. Loud as can be. And I like picking on him the whole time. I'm like, well, if they can't hear you, they'll definitely see you, you know, cause they're just bright and you know, these tennis shoes. Right. And so he, you know, he finds these two nice bucks and he kind of had an idea that they were in this area and we get, you know, again, we kind of play the ridge top game. They go over the ridge, we go over the ridge, but we can't run after them. We got to be extremely quiet. They actually start like gaining distance between us and we're like, crap. We need them to bed down, but we need them to bed in a way that we can still get to them and make a shot. Well, they, instead of betting on the other hillside looking at us, they bet on this hillside looking away. Makes it a little harder because we got to come over or come around them. And so we come around, and they're 65 yards away. Well, the one, the big one, he's, you know, Lucas estimates him over 160, or definitely a 160, maybe pushing 170 type of deal. Definitely the biggest buck that, you know, I would have ever taken in my life. And, uh, and you know, he's bedded down. And I'm like, I can take him in his bed. I, I, I'm not, like, I got no moral, you know, hindrance there, right? I'm, hey. He's there. I, I'm here. We're we're good. Let's do it. And he's like, let's get him to stand up. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I'm like, range him again. And he's like, 65 on the dot. So I dial my pin to the 65, and I'm like, do not get him to stand up until I'm at full draw. Because I got you know at full draw. I'm like numerous times before this, they're busting out. Right. I want to be anchored and ready so that when he stands. I'm going to drill him. So on my knees, Lucas is on his knees, 65 yards away. I come to full draw and I'm just, I'm settled right in the vitals. Like why am I making him stand up is going through my head, but Hey, you know what? This is what he wants to do. I got no problem with it. And he's like, Mah. and all the, I just, he goes like this turns and looks at us. That's all he does. And I'm like, crap. Now he knows we're here. You know, what are we going to do? I'm like, I'm getting ready to touch it off. And he's like, hold on. And he's like, nothing. You know, at this point, I'm starting to like, you know. I'm starting to wiggle. I'm like, oh, you know, all right. And well, then the bow goes, you know, like that, right? So I tries to take off. I catch it. I pull it back. And I should have let down. And, uh, but, you know, every part of me is like, he's looking at me. I can't, you know, I'm kind of gambling with this whole, like, almost letting down thing anyway and he's like nothing and he's just looking at us and i'm like oh my gosh like what are we gonna do and so he's like hold on and he starts throwing sand up in the air right and he's just like it's over his shoulder and he's like throwing sand and the deer's just looking at us and i'm like oh my gosh well so then the buck that was with him stands up and he's perfectly broadside and I almost did one of these numbers right, <laughs> to swing to him. And so the bow takes off on me one more time. I pull back and I'm like, all right. And so I'm in the process to swing and this buck stands up and I'm like right back on him. Right. And he turns completely away from us. So I got the old Texas heart shot and I'm like, 
it's happening, right? And so, but then he turns real quick and like goes back quartering to a real steep quarter. But I felt, I was like, you know, I had that, that talk, right? Like you came this far, get it together, right? And so like everything, every part of me just settled out, right? And I touched it off, shooting a lighted knock. I, and like, it's just one of those things. I seen that red arrow, just like it's going right for him. And it goes right by him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, no way did I just whiff this. And I mean, it just like right by him. Lucas takes off running after him. And I'm like, what in the world is he doing? From his angle, he's a little more to my left. He could see I actually hit the deer. But I just barely, like, I mean, I pinstriped him is what I did on his front shoulder. And uh, I thought I missed. So, like, I'm sitting here kicking myself. Like, how did you, like, all the things I should have let down. Why didn't I just shoot him in his bed? Like, why didn't I shoot the other one that stood up broadside, right? I'm Monday morning quarterbacking the crap out of this. I, I go get chance. I'm like, I missed. I missed. I like, I'm just kicking myself, right? I'm beating myself up. And he's like, don't worry about it, man. He's like, we still got this evening. Like, there's still a chance, right? So we go and find my arrow and there's blood on it and there's hair, but it's only on the broadhead. And I'm like, well, this is weird. I could have swore I missed this deer, right? And now I'm like, oh man, like what kind of shot did I make on it? Now it explains why Lucas just took off running. So he eventually makes his way back to us. He's like, much blood on that arrow? I'm like, not really, man. I'm like, it's really just like here on the on the blades. There's nothing on the shaft. I'm shooting all white for a reason. That helps me yeah. to identify. I'm like, there's nothing on this. He's like, I thought you clipped him. He's like, it looked like he turned back. So according to him, now I'm not making excuses. I made a bad shot. It's the way I look at it. He said when he turned and went quartering and I touched it off, he turned like he was getting ready to run. And that's what he thinks is, you know, step. Yeah. And I was like, I would, I didn't see that per se. Cause I'm watching the arrows it's going. And it was one of those things though. Like I can take away from that hunt was physically. That was a hard hunt, but it wasn't as hard as the West Texas all dad hunt, you know, climbing those mountains mentally. That was the hardest hunt I've ever been on in my life because every day I'm seeing big deer, but I'm not get you know i'm like you're full draw and then nothing you're full draw and nothing and you know in the whitetail woods and there's very rarely if i come to full draw i'm not sending an arrow you know and so out there i'm like is it gonna happen like yeah i know there's big deer here i'm seeing them like chance is seeing them we're seeing them every day they're on the trail cameras they're you know why aren't we killing them you know and it just you know you kick yourself you beat yourself up you monday morning quarterback every set every stalk every you know and I came away from there and I was like, one of the best experiences I've ever had in the like hunting. But mentally, that was the, the toughest hunt I've ever I, been on in my life. I would say a mule deer is the toughest animal I've ever, like, it's, it's not easy spotting. I think that that's one of my most enjoyable hunts. But yeah. I would say it's one of the toughest animals to hunt because you're exactly right. It's like you have to you'll blow 10 stocks before yeah. you get one that you might get a shot at you know and it's it's like you just have that you know my my oldest son drew a tag in new mexico when we go um into the year in january for and he's it's his first year like he he's 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 right or he's archery hunted and rifle hunted but he's always yeah. archery around with crossbow so i'm assuming we're gonna take a raven he's gonna crossbow now i want to shoot with a compound ball i'm like 
<laughs> what? This is not the animal that you start with. Like, right. so I've been, I've been pushing. Them. I said, we're going to shoot a bunch of deer at home this year. Like you've got to get some, you got to get together with a compound bow. Yeah. Even shooting a whitetail out of a stand is way easier than it is. Cause it's just like, you got that second, you draw, you shoot, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause you don't have a lot of time to, to play with them. You man. really don't, you know, and that was one thing like when that big group, it was a five, five shooter box. There was like seven or nine bucks in that group total, but there were five shooters. There was a three by three full velvet, never lost his velvet. And so, you know, on that ridge top, when you're, when we were, you know, glassing them and watching them walk over the ridge, obviously every deer that walks away from you looks bigger than he really is. But this dude was just like, so he was wide he was tall he had mass which this mass was you know kind of deceiving because of the velvet but he was like he was the one right but at the same time i'm I'm again i'm like if i draw back and he's a shooter like i'm shooting him i'm not like i want that one but i'm not gonna be too picky. i want that one but i like this one too yeah and i like that one <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough when i stepped out behind that pucker brush and he looked like it was him like that's the where my pen was going, and I just needed like realistically, if I had three more seconds, he was a dead or I was shooting him. I can't really say he was a dead deer, but three more seconds is all I needed, and I'm just like, this literally is a game of seconds. Yeah, you know, and me and Chance joke the entire time. We're like, well, rifle would have been really fun right now you know not necessarily fun it'd been like, uh, really successful and yeah. uh we uh so we were joking with uh lucas we're like so your rifle hunts are four and a half days right and he's like yeah like what do your hunters do with the other four days yeah. <laughs> because it was like that like every every set every stalk just about like you were within rifle range of 160 inch deer it's get that closing that gap down to that yeah down to that archery range there's so much of a difference between that 150 200 yard down to that being in that 60 that 60 yard 70 yard window it's it really changes the whole spectrum of it 100 percent. it does it does and not poking it through a small hole and you know and that was one thing that i kicked myself for not training properly you know training practicing right i should have elevated my heart rate you know got my my blood pumping a little bit more get that heart heartbeat heartbeat up and then practicing on drawing and holding for a really long time maybe not necessarily shooting but practicing like just holding that bow back holding and it. conditioning myself that hey it's okay you know it, because again part of target panic is when you draw your bow it's like you got to shoot, right? And so part of that for me is, you know, I draw my bow, I anchor, I get ready, and then I, you know, I, I come from above and down on an animal. You know, some people, I guess, come from the left to the right or vice versa. You know, it, it varies for people. But for me out there, like holding my pen where it needed to be and not letting go was like it was killing me. Right. I mean, I was dying inside. <laughs> I always, uh, like the first, I, I tell a lot of people, one of the biggest things that helped me, like with, with the animals, because from PA, if, you know what I mean? You you, you want to shoot, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunity at, at a good buck. You know yeah. what I mean? You, 
you might in a season you might see one maybe two buck and you might get one or two opportunities if you're lucky at that buck so you're you know target panic is you're you're there you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, adrenaline's pumping you know you you know the, the the one nice buck that i've shot in pa it's at the at the house i i'm not ashamed to say i shot him through the tenderloins in the back he come out in the food but like i had hunted pretty hard all season and i was so excited it was fairly new to archery hunting it was years ago yeah and i pulled up shot him. luckily it caught the artery he ran in the other end of the food plot and was done but uh from then then i went to africa i get there and you know talking to ph the guy back and forth and he's like oh i shoot a lot of animals i'm like actually shot more i'm thinking myself going through it i'm like yeah i shot more animals yesterday than i have with a bow at home period yeah (laughs) he started laughing he's like you give me give me shit me i'm like no but the nice thing over there is there's so much ant so much game over there yeah that it really helps you work through that because you're like no i blew up the stock well we got another one tomorrow we got another one there's just there's a lot so it keeps it keeps you like the experience you get over there on like a spot in a stock situation or just like like that being able to draw down on an animal the the amount you'll get in like eight or ten days over there yeah would take you 10 years to get in if you're like a pennsylvania whitetail hunter there's just so much opportunity to you know what i mean and it really to me i feel that was something that actually really helped me not not get so you know what i mean be able to handle be able to handle the pressure situation better you know one of the best things that ever helped me for you know as far as getting animals under my belt was the west virginia urban archery season and the well i guess the morgantown urban archery season and then there's another one called graystone urban archery season and each one of those gave us seven additional tags so we got two either sex tags five antlerless tags for the morgantown same for the urban or for the graystone urban and then i got my normal west virginia tags and i mean we we started hunting and we you know does primarily and i mean we were just stacking deer and i mean it was kind of like shooting fish in a barrel because you're you know you're literally hunting the golf course and behind people's houses there were nice bucks there but i was on a mission i was going to stack some bodies you right and yep. it was it one of the best things that ever helped me i did that for three years and now it's been shoot it's been since 2017 i think since my or no 2000 maybe like 2016 hunting season since i've even participated in any of them and uh it's been like i can tell like i've i've noticed that like just coming to full draw on a deer like it's different you know and not necessarily different but you know it's one of those things where you just got so good at it and then you let it go now you're like you know the excitement's building again. yeah and uh you know one thing that um in west virginia on our farm that we had there in proctor i killed a really nice eight pointer with my bow and i was in my i was in my climber he come out at 47 yards and well he was i seen him at like 100 yards and he fed all around and came into 47 yards and i think he winded me because he was you know kind of headed towards downwind and it was the evening so you know dealing with thermals it's hard to say right he didn't like something and so it was now or never i you know i was shooting a seven pin sight back then so 
you know, that's three pin territory between three and four pin, right? And I shot him with pin four and I hit him high, but I dropped him, right? He's not dead. Now I got to deal with this deer. He's, you know, he got no back legs. He's got front legs and he's, you know, he's, he's going wherever he can go. And it's like down the ridge and we're, it was a big steep holler. And I always heard if you shoot a deer and you spine him, get down and go shoot him. You'll empty your quiver from the stand most likely, right? So down the tree I go, and I look up and there's my quiver. (laughs) Oh, no. Back up the tree, grab my quiver, and then get down and I go finish him, right? But that was something too. Like, again, I play, you know, I can vividly see that hunt and that release of the arrow and everything about it. Again, I don't know if it was something that, you know, coming down, and I just I, deer, you know, type of deal, right? You know, because I'm guilty of it here at the range. You know, I'll, you know, it typically always works in my favor because I got that downward motion. If I haven't settled yet, it's like it almost like falls where it's supposed to go, and I need to get away from that. And I try as much as I possibly can. But if I settle it, I know it's it's right where it needs to be. But, uh, yeah, that was something that was an experience like no other. I mean, like, cause the adrenaline's pumping. I'm like, I gotta go, you know, and down the tree I go and I look up. I'm like, wow, that was pointless. <laughs> Back up the tree. Yeah, I go. I go. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely like archery hunting is probably one of, I think the more challenging, but also not just challenging. It's fun. Right. Because, when it comes together, man, it, you can't beat it. No, hundred percent. The adrenaline rush of being that close yep. is is awesome. I mean, well, it, it definitely is, right? And then, but you, like I said, the campus here, you got the setup to all but a live animal to to get ready for it. So, I would definitely encourage our listeners if you are in this northern Pennsylvania, southern New York area, get down here, check out the store, but get in and start shooting some of these targets. Oh, we'd love to have you stop it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a growing culture. You know what I mean? We're, you know, we're always, always in the, there's always something new. They're all, we're always doing something different. There's change. There's always something changing. Um, yep. And, it's, it's and so if people wanted to actually check you out on social media for Instagram, it's uh, at outdoor insiders, correct? Yep. Yep. And our online website and our store, you know I mean? We're, and we're building like, our blog page and stuff there a little bit but okay you know, it's as so, we learn we grow i guess yeah so they can check my page as well because i yep. post a lot of y'all stuff y'all, your content and uh but yeah definitely check out outdoor insiders on instagram and if they wanted to reach out to you directly on instagram what's your handle uh robert heed robert heed yep. and that's r-o-b-e-r-t-h-e-a-d h-e-e-d h-e-e-d yep. so there you go so if you want to reach out to robert on uh instagram it'll be robert heed and in his name you'll see parentheses and it says rue uh, (laughs) so you'll see all of his uh his animals that he's taken over the years and uh but then also outdoor insiders on instagram as well they post content every day a lot of the stuff that they got going on here at the store so um robert rue man i appreciate you coming in now one question that i ask everybody that comes on the podcast and this one might be hard for you because you've traveled a lot of places but if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go and what would you hunt? It'd be Africa. Africa? It'd be Africa. I, I don't know. I just like it over there. Yeah. And I'd, I'd go back for a buff again. Okay. Yeah. I, I shot one, but I would shoot another one again. Awesome. So I, that's, 
you know, I like that. I like Alaska too, but I think that's, you know, anymore. I like waterfowl though too. So I don't know. It's hard to choose. I like everything. <laughs> it really is. I, Mexico. I like it down there. I, I shot that sheep, but it wasn't even so much a sheep hunt as it was. I just, I like the thrill. Dangerous game is my, like the, the sketchier it is, the more I like it. That's my, that's what I, I prefer. I don't okay. know. Like that's so like the sheep wasn't as that, not that that sheep was that dangerous, but it was Mexico was, you know, I was getting ready to say, it was I, a cool. I, I'm yeah. trying to correlate danger with sheep, but then I'm thinking cartel, Mexico. Yeah. yeah. But it was cool. That was a cool experience. I was, I just was on a, a mountain goat hunt up in uh, Cordova, Alaska. And that was not that the mountain goats are going to get you, but the terrain up there. Yes. And then the, that was a little that was a little scarier than what I anticipated by far. I way underestimated that. Like we when we were climbing, they give you an ice pick in the beginning. You're like, what the hell do I need an ice pick for? We ain't rock. Oh, we are rock climbing. <laughs> it was a completely different yeah. experience. But wow. It was an awesome trip. Heck yeah. Again, thank you for being on the podcast. Awesome. This thank has you. been fun. And uh, to all of our listeners, we just want to say thank you for your continued support week after week. And uh Keep hunting and keep doing what God calls you to do. Thank you for listening to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you'd like to follow, you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Hunt Day and Facebook at Stephen Robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.